Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning, River Valley Church. How are you, how's everybody doing today? Hey, let's look at the person next to you or across from you and say, you look amazing today. Now look at the other person who would be your second choice and say, you look amazing too. You look amazing whether you were the first or the second choice. Uh, hey, if, uh, if, if you're new or maybe you think I'm new, my name is Joe. I am actually uh, the lead pastor at Mountain Life Church in McCall. Um, and yes, you are um, God's favorite if you live in McCall, Idaho. Um, just in case you were wondering, and a lot of you visit, and it's okay, you can keep coming. And I think the more you come, the, more, the closer to heaven you become. Uh, but hey, it is so great to be with you today. Um, uh, if we don't know each other, uh, River Valley is my home away from home. I love, I love you guys. I love being connected here. Um, I might be a little bit biased because Pastor Tim is one of my closest friends, uh, but I think, I think Tim and Emily and your leadership team, of course, my buddy Chris over here, I think you have the greatest pastors and the greatest leadership uh, of any church in the valley, probably Idaho. You guys are amazing. Yeah, would you guys give yourselves a hand? You're amazing. And uh, hey, missions team, um, you know, every time Pastor Tim asks me to come, it's when... Uh, he and a group of others are gone, whether it's the elders or the staff. In this case, um, it's about half of your church. Um, I, don't know, I don't know what it is. I'll try not to take it personally that you heard that I was coming to speak, so half of you went to Mexico. Um, not sure how that worked. Um, but hey, it is, it is so nice to get to be with you. I really do look forward to this time. Uh, a couple times a year that I get to, to be with you. And of course, greeting from your extended church family in McCall. Everybody says hello. Uh, and I just have to say, uh, are there any Philippines missions folks here that went with me? I don't... Oh, hey! Becky, so good to see you. Um, uh, you know, I have, a, I have a whole new like fondness uh, for a group of your folks that I got to go spend a couple weeks in the Philippines with, and I miss you guys. Um, so I was hoping to, hoping to see someone from the, from the team. Uh, <clears throat> but I've said now several times who I am. My name is Joe. Um, but today I want to continue on with the series that you've been in from the book of Ephesians on true identity. And so I have a question for you. Who are you? I told you who I am. Who are you? And actually, to be perfectly honest with you, I have not really yet told you who I am. I told you where I'm from. I told you what I do when I'm the pastor of. Um, if you want to know a little bit more about me, um, you would have to get to know a little bit more. Like my family is back here on the second to back row. They're all the way across. I took up a whole, whole row today. Um, they are here. That will give you a little bit more of a clue about who we are who I am. Um, but when we're talking about true identity, you know, Paul is continuing um, in, uh, in the passage that we're moving into today in Ephesians chapter 3. Paul is addressing an age-old struggle. Age-old meaning ever since the beginning, ever since Genesis, the enemy has been attacking the identity of mankind. And if you think about the interaction that the devil had, that the, the serpent Satan, whatever you want to call him, um, that the enemy had with Eve, the, the accusation was this, God is trying to keep you from being who you could be. And if you're not familiar with the passage, um, Adam, Adam and Eve are hanging out in the garden, they have a great relationship, they're living by God's design, and this serpent shows up, and the serpent comes in and says, did God really say? So first, he questions the word of God. Second of all, he says, well, God didn't really mean you'll die if you eat the fruit. God just doesn't want you to be like him. Now, first of all, if you understand, if, you, if, if you've read this passage at all, you know that God created mankind in his image. 
God created mankind with a purpose. He created us to have relationship with him, to be like him in character and nature, to, to share uh, in the responsibility. In fact, God made man with, with the authority to have dominion on the planet, to be in charge, to, to be God's partner, to be God's representative, to have God's authority on the planet. Everybody feel like you have authority over the planet today? Anybody feel like you didn't even have authority over your breakfast until you had a cup of coffee? And, and God created man to know him, be like him, to be in charge of the planet, but also to reproduce, to make more people in that same likeness, that same image. And we have been struggling over our place, our position, and our power ever since the garden. And if you look at the world around us, and, and the, the last several weeks, the pastors have done an incredible job setting the table here, so I don't have to go re-preach it. But if you look at the world around us, identity is an issue. There is, a true, there is a true struggle over it. And I don't even have to get into a specific item. And, and as soon as we say confusion about identity or confusion about, about who we are, you'll immediately think of a specific demographic possibly, or you'll think of a, a young people, or you'll, you'll think of a people from a certain place. But the truth of the matter is we all, from birth, struggle with identity. Every single one of us have to tackle the identity issue. And see, the thing about identity is this. If you struggle with who you are, you won't be you. Meaning, you won't be the real you, the way that God intended and designed you to be. If you are confused about who you are, you will be something else. And if you look at the world around us right now, there are a lot of people trying to be something else. There are a lot of people, whether, whether it's in their physical appearance, uh, whether it's in their gender, whether it's in, their, in their, even their own species. I saw a video recently of someone who was identifying as a cat. I mean, that would be really cool. I know people who act like cats. You know, one moment you can pet them and the next moment... Not a cat fan, by the way, just in case you wondered, and I, and I think you would know that Pastor Tim and I are probably on the same page. Right, Pastor Tim? The thing about the, thing about the identity struggle is that if, if you don't know who you are, your life will be so much more difficult. And if we look at the world around us right now, it's easy to see that there are a lot of people going through very difficult times, very very making really rough decisions. And in some cases, people who are making life-altering, body-altering, mind-altering, future-altering decisions based on this issue. They don't know who they are, and so they're trying to be something or someone, and so therefore they struggle their whole life. In fact, I know people who are well into their later years, like 30. And even older, yeah, wow, I know, I'm way past 30, so just in case you're wondering, I know I don't look it, I thought for sure he was 20-something, but I know people who have struggled their entire lives, and they have gone from career, to spouse, to hobby, to appearance, from haircut to haircut, to piercings, to tats, to what, whatever, and listen, I'm not saying those things are necessarily wrong, but those are not your identity, and you will not discover who you are in any of those things, because your identity only comes from one place, your creator. And you know, the truth of the matter is, is when we struggle with identity, we just make a bigger mess over who we are. And the harder we try to identify, the harder it is to get out of the trap, to get out of the pit that we dig for ourselves. The good news is, in Christ, there's an answer. Now, I just want to tell a, a brief story. Um, I grew up in Homedale um, and had a lot of great friends. In, when I was in junior high, uh, there was this girl. I know, there's always a girl. Well, now there's just a girl. 
But there was this girl that I liked, and we were part of a big group of friends, but I, I liked her. I mean, uh, of course, um, I was not the ladies' man in junior high or high school or college <laughs> or after that, and it was only by the grace of God that I actually got this one. But I remember being invited, invited to this friend's house. We were hanging out. Um, there was a group of us. It was, it was uh, this friend of mine and her sister um, and then a few of my buddies, and we were all kind of hanging out. We were going to watch some movies, and, and I, I don't know. I think, I think we were watching, I don't know, some 80s breakfast club or some movie from the 80s. And, I, and the, the parents were getting ready to leave, and first of all, I was shocked that they were leaving while we were there, I thought, oh, really? And of course, because I was a teenage boy, my mind probably went other places that I sh- probably shouldn't have. My mom's here, so I have to be careful. <laughs> but I remember their dad, as he walked out, said, okay, have fun. And he looked at his daughters and said, remember who you are. And then he turned and walked away. I remember those words very clearly. At first, I was like, I'm not sure who he's talking to. I'm not sure if he's saying, remember who you are, little man. Um, but I know, I know now, and this has stuck with me over the, over the years, asking his daughters who you are. See, he had taught them their identity. And he was simply reminding them that their identity was contrary to some, some things that a teenage boy might be hoping was going to happen. Fill in the blanks. Again, my mom's here. Don't fill them in too much. But I'll never forget the story and his words. Remember who you are. See, who you are, who you believe yourself to be, will determine how you live, what you do. If you're confused about who you are, you'll be confused about what to do. Right? If you think you're a cat you might act like a cat. But what if you're not a cat? Now you'll be acting in a way that you are not designed. You'll be trying to perform in a way that you are not created. And here's the thing. You might be able to use something in a way that it wasn't fashioned, but eventually it will break down. Anybody ever try to cut a board with a hammer? I think I've used this example before. My, my brother's here, who's a construction guy. He goes, oh, yes, of course, all the time. Yeah. Um, do you want him to do the finish work on your house if he's cutting boards with a hammer? I'm going get to get you some jobs. He doesn't actually use a hammer. Well, not to cut boards. But you can, or you can actually hammer a nail with a saw, but you're gonna, the end product is going to be rough, and you will probably break the tool, or you'll hurt yourself in the process. But see, to put it very simply, when we live outside of our design, it's destructive. Now, you might not think of this, but there are some things that you and I were not designed for, and Jesus mentioned some of them, like, do not worry, stress, fear, striving. See, these are all things that are very much a part of our culture today, and yet, you are not designed for them. So, wonder why people get ulcers because of striving or stress or fear or why people do silly things out of fear, why they, why they act what we would say is irrationally or harmfully out of fear. Why? Because you were not designed, you were not created to operate out of those things. And when we are operating out of those things, we are operating outside of the way we were created. And quite frankly, if we're operating out of stress or striving or fear, it's because we have lost sight of who we are. And I could make a really long laundry list, but I think, I think you get the point. So Paul continues his teaching on identity, and our text today is Ephesians 3. I'm going to read a lot, so follow along in your Bibles with me, or you can follow along here, or I don't know, hear any pages, so scroll tell Siri to take you to wherever. I did that in my church recently. I mentioned Siri, and somebody's Siri actually answered me from the room. How may I help you? Big sister is listening. 
When I think of all this, Ephesians 3.1, when I think of all this, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefits of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles, as I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now, by His Spirit, He has revealed it to His holy apostles and prophets. Verse 6, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews, everybody say and. This is a big and. Who believe the good news, share equally, say equally, in the riches inherited by God's children. You want to say God's children? Just want to make sure you're staying awake. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessing because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Verse 8. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Do we have any Gentiles in the room? Okay, probably most of us. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ, our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So, please don't lose heart because of my trials. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Verse 14, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand with all God's people, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. You may experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all fullness of life and power that comes from God. Verse 20, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work in us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. That was a lot, and it would take 15 more minutes to unpack. But here's, the, here's what Paul is doing. Paul is encouraging the church in Ephesus. He's continuing to talk about um, who they are, continuing to talk about their identity in Christ, continuing to, to contrast the difference between being in Christ and not being in Christ. And he, and he begins with, with revealing a secret. And he says, there's a mystery. Then this mystery has been looming, has been hanging over mankind since the beginning. Many don't understand it. And he says, God gave me the privilege of revealing this mystery to you. Have you ever had insider information? I mean, not that would get you into jail. But I mean, like, have you, have, you ever, have you ever had someone share, like, personal information with you that you felt privileged to know? I've had this happen to me a, a few times as a, as a pastor. I've had young couples in the church come and sit down with me and share news that they were getting married. And, and in some cases, they were telling me before they told their parents. And... Recently, uh, a young leader of mine, and I can't say it because uh, it hasn't been announced to our church yet, but a young leader of mine and his wife um, 
just found out that they are pregnant. And I got to be on the inside scoop, Chris. And as they were telling me this, I'm sitting there going, who have you told? Nobody. And I'm like, I won't tell anyone. But can I be the first to tell everyone? And of course, the answer was no. They needed to tell their family, and, their, and they, they hadn't shared with their closest relatives and friends yet. And yet, they shared it with me. Do you know what that did for me in that moment? Proud Papa. I'm like, anything you want up to half of my kingdom. <laughs> like, I would do anything because I just, I just got pulled into the inside. And you know, this is God's character and his nature, and he's really feeling this through the Apostle Paul. That God likes to share his heart. He likes to share his secrets. He likes to reveal. And I just, and I, when I read this passage, I think God has been waiting for centuries to, to reveal this mystery to people. And could you imagine being the Apostle Paul, who is the person who finally gets to reveal this secret? But this secret isn't just for Paul. This secret is for the Gentiles to make them feel drawn in like you get to be on the inside. Now, in our culture, we don't talk like this. We don't use the word Jew or Gentile, really. And, and as Christians, we just think we're in and we're always in. And we're God, I'm God's favorite because I live in McCall, right? Uh, already established that. But the truth of the matter is, is that for the Gentiles, especially of this age, if they had ever been around a Jew, they knew they were not in. They knew they were outside. They knew they were not God's chosen people. They understood very clearly that even if they were a believer, even if they were a proselyte, meaning they, they decided to, to become an, like an honorary Jew, they knew that they would never truly have the family right and privilege. They would never be heirs of the family of God. They would always be second class. They would always be plan B. And now Paul is telling the church in Ephesus you Gentiles, in fact, he starts it off by saying, strategically, I think, you Gentiles, which I'm sure if they'd been around Jews, they had heard this before. You, has anybody ever been addressed that way? You, fill in the blank, you people, you men, you homebill boys, you jarheads, you what, whatever, whatever the label, whatever the classification, um, I um, have been in a few cultures um, that were not overly accepting of how I looked um, or where I was from. And, um, and it is quite awkward when you're addressed as you or those or they. And so Paul strategically starts this passage off by saying, you Gentiles, and then he moves right into saying, God sent me to you Gentiles to share with you that is an inside secret. To bring them in, to draw them, draw them in to this idea. Ephesians 3 6. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body. The secret is inclusion. Doesn't matter who your mama was, it only matters who your daddy in heaven is. It doesn't matter where you came from, doesn't matter what your family line was, and it doesn't matter what you did last summer. It doesn't matter what your past was, doesn't matter who you thought you were, you are included in the family. See, it starts off with, you people are included. This is now your inheritance. A Gentile would never expect to be told that the riches from God, the riches that are the inheritance of God's children is for them. And church, this is for us. And this statement is that we're equal. And see, I grew up being taught and believing that the, the, you know, the Hebrew nation, they were God's first, they were his chosen, they were all here, and the rest of us were second class. But Paul is saying, you are not second class. In Christ, there is one family. In Christ, you are chosen. In Christ, you have been adopted. You have been brought in. In fact, Paul in another place says that we cry out through the spirit of adoption, Abba, Father. 
I'm a big fan of adoption. For those of you that don't know, uh, our son Samuel um, is not ours biologically. Um, He is definitely ours spiritually. And if you look at him, if you talk to him, sadly, you would think that he was just like, you would think that we were uh, biologically, our DNA was the same. Um, Although he is much smarter than I am. Don't tell him I said that. He's not going to watch the video anyway. It's okay. But adoption, you know, one of the things I'll never forget, the judge told us the day the adoption was final, he said, you know, by law, natural birth can be, you can come in and you, and you can, um, you know, you can legally have the rights of the parent removed or the child can say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on my own. I'm going to no longer be part of this family. You can change your name. But he said the laws, even in the state of California at the time, he said the laws are more binding for adoption than they are for natural birth. And that just, that struck me. And I just thought, you know, that is how God's spirit is. That is how his adoption is. When he says, you and I are now co-heirs, we are now part of the family of God. It's like, you who once did not have the family name, now have the family name. And it's binding, like, this, like a legal adoption. It's binding as though the Father says, you are mine. Here's my last name. Here's the keys to the house. Here's the keys to the kingdom. Here's the bank card. No, just kidding, kids. Not, not happening. Colossians 1, uh, that's not true. I get asked for the card all the time. Colossians 1.20. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace through him. God reconciled every, oh, sorry. And he, through him, God, I'm reading the same thing twice. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. See, we were strangers, we were outcasts, we were outsiders, but we are now insiders. We are now him. Now, last week, Pastor Tim was, was pushing the idea of, of the fact that we need to get a hold of what it means to have our lives changed and forgiven. We need to understand the gravity, the weight of what it means to be plucked out of hell and pulled into the family of God. And I believe sometimes when we become lukewarm or when God gets put on a shelf in our lives is because we have forgotten that we were once outside and we have been invited in. And it is not by our own effort. It's not by our own works. There's nothing you can ever do to make him call you son. Jesus did it for you. There is nothing you can do to earn it. All you can do is receive it. It is not a work of yours. It's not an effort of yours. It, is, it was his heart, and Jesus made a way for his, heart, the answer, for his heart to be answered for you. We are members together. You are part of the family. You are an heir to the throne. What was broken in the garden because of sin can now be restored in your life. You can now access God. You can now have a relationship with him. You can now be shaped and formed into the character and nature of him. And as we're talking about identity, it is the character and nature that is the key. Because sometimes we have this idea that we come into, we, we either come into religion or we become a Christian, and now I have to behave a certain way, I act a certain way, now I have to follow certain rules, now I have to go to church and do certain things. Listen, those are all okay things. But my behavior when I got saved did not change because I went to church. My behavior changed because my identity changed. I went from being lost, not a son, to a son of the Most High God. When I accepted the work of the cross that I could never do on my own, and he called me son, everything changed. Anyone's in Christ, they're a new creature. The old is gone, and the new has come. The old has gone, and the new has come. What's the new? The new is your new name. Listen, because you are in Christ, you are included. You are not plan B. 
your career, your original ambitions, your family name, what you were born into was not plan A. Plan A is being in Christ. You see, so many times we think, oh, everything failed, and so plan B was trying God. Actually, God was plan A in the first place. And by the way, you are plan A. And can I just tell somebody here today, God does not have a bench. Sports analogy, maybe. I don't, not that sporty. You could tell. God does not have a second string. God does not have a third string. He has sons and daughters. He has his own. And what Paul is telling the church in Ephesus, because the Jews have been telling them all along that they were second string, he is telling them, you are not second string. You are not the bench. You are the chosen ones. Because of what Christ did in you, you are God's first choice. Somebody say, I'm God's first choice. No, not me, you. Well, I mean... Colossians 3.3 again, for you died to this life and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. What's it mean to be hidden in Christ? It means when you are in Christ, the Father looks down and he doesn't see your sin, he doesn't see your past, he doesn't see your family name, he sees his name on you. He sees his identity, the way he created you to be and to live. God is not confused about your identity. God did not make a mistake. There was not a missing chromosome. There was not a missing thing in your design. God is perfect, and therefore you were created perfect. Like in the garden, the enemy comes in and says, did God really say? Well, God just doesn't want you to be who you really are. It is a lie from the pit of hell. And it was the mission of Paul to come to these people who just like us were confused about who they were to bring them the, this confidence and this assuredness. Okay, I better move on. Verse 12, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Now, I'm talking about my son Samuel because I can't do it at home anymore. Now that he's 15, it's off limits. Same rule at your house? Oh, you, you still do it anyway? Oh, man. You need, to, you need to talk to my son. But so we have been at Mountain Life now for 13 years, and um, Samuel has pretty much grown up there. He was two when we got there. And so the church... Um, <clears throat> is like his second home. Now, I'm not sure if he's as fond of it now as he was when he was younger, um, but still, when he shows up, he's not walking into someone else's house or someone else's building. And we've had to have some talk about reverence sometimes because, you know, he'll come in, and when he was younger, as soon as he walked in the front doors of the church, shoes off, coats off, right into my office. And some people look like, oh my gosh, that's the pastor's son. He's so irreverent. No, he was at home. He felt like he belonged. Well, so we got over the shoes coming off outside, and now they just come off when he gets into my office. But when he comes into my office, there's a big closet. It sounds weird, big closet, but that was his hangout place. And there was a pillow and a sleeping bag in there because we spent a lot of time there. And there are snacks, and he knows where the snack drawer is, and there's a toy box. Where's Isaiah? Isaiah knows where these things are. Also, he had same access. Um, and so as soon as he comes in, it's like other people are walking in and they come to the door and they say, um, excuse me, Pastor Joe, may I please come in? Or they come to my, my assistant and say, um, I'm here to see Pastor Joe. But when Samuel comes in, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. He just blows right by them. We've had to work on it because there's times where I'm in a meeting and he's just like, where's dad? See you in here? But he just blows right in, grabs the snacks, gets the stuff plops on the couch, goes in the closet, grabs a sleeping bag, whatever it is. He has access. Why? Because he's my son. Now, if you walked in, your River Valley, I'd let you do the same. You're okay. But if anybody else just blew into my office, they would probably get tackled. If you've ever met my associate pastor, Sean, big rugby player from England, scary, um, 
you would be intimidated right out of my office probably. And pastors are armed because it's Idaho. Um, probably, probably, would not, probably would not happen. But Samuel doesn't face that. He doesn't have to worry about getting permission to come in because he already knows he's been given access. When Paul says, boldly come with confidence to the throne of grace. Boldly come to the Father. Why? Because you're a son and a daughter. You have free access to the Father. See, my identity is not in my achievement. My identity is that I'm a son. And because I'm a son, sonship has certain privileges. It has certain, it has certain, there's gifts involved with being a son. And one of those is access. I don't have to go to someone else to get to my father. I don't have to talk to a secretary. I don't have to get permission. All I have to do is go. When I am in Christ, the, mediate, the mediation has been taken care of, and now I can just go straight to him. If I need something, if I just want to go in and plop on the couch in the presence of my father, I can just go plop on the couch. Now, some would say, no, pastor, that sounds quite irreverent. Um, well, you know, sometimes when we're at 15, um, 13, 10, our reverence is a little bit different than when we're older. But you know what? After all these years, I can still walk into my mom's house, and I don't have to feel awkward about walking into my mom's house. Why? It's my mom. Right, mom? Right, mom? It's my mom's house. Why? Because I'm a son, and there, and there is still privilege in access. See, Paul is encouraging these people who were foreigners, who are now no longer foreigners, saying, you can boldly come to the Father. Listen, if you want to be secure in who you are, show up somewhere and don't feel like you need a pass to get in. Or you need a ticket to get in. Or you need, or you need permission to get in. Show up somewhere like at your own home. Hopefully, you don't have to ask permission to go in your house. I mean, unless you're in the doghouse. You're in trouble with your wife, guys. But at your own house, you don't have to get permission to come in. You just come in. And when you live in a place where you understand that you have free access, it does something. It changes you on the inside because you're not having to try to be something to get in. I don't have to act like anything to walk into my mom's house. I don't have to act like anything to walk into my own home. I don't have to act like anything to come into my father's presence I just show up. I'm just here because I can boldly, confident, and confidently come to the Father. Verse 16. I pray, I'll paraphrase, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Confidence, true confidence in the Lord comes from the revelation of knowing how much he loves you. Scripture says perfect love drives out fear. See, I'm not afraid. I revere God. I know that God could easily... Thanos snapped me right out of existence. God could easily just, sorry, that was a movie reference if you didn't get it. Like, we don't watch movies, you, you heathen pastor. Um, but God could easily, if he wanted to, if, he, if that was his nature and his character, he could easily just wipe me out if he wanted to. I'm not afraid of it because I know he loves me. I am afraid of me without him. I am afraid of of if I try to form my own identity, I'm afraid of the ramifications. I am afraid of my sin without the covering of Jesus Christ. I am afraid of not being hidden in him. So when the father looks down, I want him to see his son, not Joe. Not the guide, not who I tried to be, not who I was, not even who I was born, but who I was born again to be. That's who I want him to see and see my confidence in the Lord, but not just my confidence in the Lord like some Christianese thing, but my confidence in who I am 
comes from the fact that I know that I am unconditionally, undisputably loved. And that even on my worst day, I'm loved. And there is nothing I can ever do to earn it or change it. I didn't do anything to get it. He loved me first. I don't do anything to keep it. He loves me already. So all I have to do is just be me and live like I'm loved. All I have to do is live as though I'm a son who has access and and he already revealed it. Sometimes, (coughs) excuse me, sometimes, church, we either live like we have to earn it or we act as though God still needs to prove it. God owes me nothing. He owes me nothing. The only thing I deserved was punishment. Only thing I deserved was the wages of sin, death. That's the only thing I've deserved or earned in my life. So there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do to get it. There's nothing I can do to lose it. I can run away from it. I can deny it. I can reject it. But I can't lose it. And so if I have this understanding that I am loved no matter what. You know, Heidi and I have been married uh, for almost 27 years. I know, we were 10. And you know, it hasn't been always easy for her. Hasn't always been easy for her. Okay. (laughs) I wasn't looking for that. It has, I mean, for me, it's been easy. It hasn't always been easy. But do you, you, you want to you know what has been, like, the grounding point, part of the, part of the founding point, the stable, the security, the anchor in my life? Jesus. But because of Jesus in her, in my marriage, uh, I don't have to worry about whether or not she's going to be home when I get there. I don't have to worry if Bob the neighbor, we don't have a Bob, do we? Don't know a Bob. Okay, I don't have to worry about Bob the neighbor coming in and infiltrating my home and taking my family from me. Why? Because I know that our relationship is rooted and grounded in love. And love's not a feeling. Love, love is not conditional. Love is love. When the scripture says being rooted and grounded in love, and it says, Paul says, be, be secure, be whole, be be." be firm in your innermost being, he's talking about identity. He's talking about your soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions, right? And, and if the, your mind, the way you think, your emotions, the way you feel, and your will is the way you act, if all of those are founded in something that's unshakable, then you're unshakable. And if all of those things are grounded in the knowledge that I'm a son... I'm accepted. I've been brought to the inside. He loves me unconditionally. Now love becomes the anchor of my soul. It becomes the anchor of my life. And so whatever happens on the outside, whatever I look like, whatever gravity does to all this, whatever goes on, I don't have to worry because it's secure. And so Paul is encouraging the church. He says, I pray that you would, be, that you would know the height, the depth, the width, that you would have the revelation of how much you're loved, because if you know how much you're loved, then you won't react as someone who is unloved. You won't go, sorry, country fans, looking for love in all the wrong places, because that is exactly what identity crisis does. We look for love where we don't belong, rather than looking for love at home, where we're supposed to be. Finally, you are created to live in the fullness of God. Fullness meaning completed. He says, I pray that you would come to the fullness of Christ. Fullness means the Father holds nothing back from His kids. You don't just have the potential to be something. He created you something. And when you are in Him, all of His something becomes all of your something. (coughs) Okay. Pastor Chris, you better save me in just a moment. I want to just give you four points. We're going to take the next 30 minutes to explore each one. 
Verse 20, now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work in us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. His ability plus my availability equals infinite possibility. There is nothing impossible in my life. Nothing. Why? Not because of me, not because of what I've done, but because I, I have been invited home in the home of a father, a God, who can do the impossible. There is nothing impossible for him. So my identity in Christ is that he identifies me as his. My identity in Christ means that I have special access to him. My identity in Christ means his love is my grounding point. My grounding point's not my career, it's not my performance, it's not even likes on social media. I know, I just messed up someone's day. It's not even how good I look doing duck lips on selfie, which you don't, it's dumb, stop it. And number four, the unlimited God is at work in you when you're in him. Sounds a whole lot like what Jesus said in John 15. If you're in me and I'm in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Emphasis on you can do when you're in him and he's in you. Would you stand to your feet? Pastor Chris, I have no idea what time it is because the clock was red when I got up here. Um, so I think, maybe we've, I think maybe we've just been in red the whole time. So lunch is in 10 minutes. <clears throat> so the Apostle Paul is sharing with a culture, not unlike ours, that is looking in all of these different places. They're looking to philosophical thought. They're looking to various pagan religions. They're looking to their achievements. They're looking to each other. They're looking to... to all of the worldly things and worldly pleasures to try to find their identity, just like us, just like our world. And some would say, well, the, the answer is in better politics, or the answer is in better education. Well, the answer, actually, no, the answer is in Jesus Christ. It really comes down to this simple thing, is that until you know who you really are, you will never be you. You will always strive to be something else, someone else. And listen, I believe that God's heart breaks when he looks down on his kids and they don't like who they are. They're not okay. They're not secure. They're not comfortable. And they try to be something else. You know, as a parent, a natural parent, or even as a spiritual parent, one of the most difficult things that I've had to deal with, parent or pastor, is when people who I care about come and they are saying horrible things about themselves or they don't like themselves or they're so broken on the inside that they want to take their own life or they're so broken on the inside that they try to be someone or something else. And really, we could blame it on all of these external factors, but really what it comes down to is they just don't know who they are. Just don't know who you are. Like one day Superman woke up and didn't realize he had superpowers. It's like, it's, like one, it's like one day the prince wakes up and doesn't realize why he's in the palace. They think they're a guest. Listen, if you are in Christ, you are not a guest in God's house. You're a son and a daughter. And your, our identity is to come from that, not from our works, not even from our perfect Christianese language that we speak. Not even from our perfect performance, because it, one, it's not. Two, God doesn't care about your performance. He cares about your identity. Who are you? I am, my name is Joe. I happen to be a father, a husband, a son, a brother, a pastor. Those are, those are things you want to know who I am? I'm a son of the Most High God. I was a Gentile, and now I'm a child of God. I was on the outside, and now I'm on the inside. I didn't know the mystery, now God shares his stuff with me. 
That's who I am. And when I get a hold of who I am, now I don't need a tattoo to tell you who I am. Now I don't need to pierce it. I don't need to do whatever. And I'm not coming against those things. I'm just saying identity is not in those things. My identity is in the one who gave me a name. I'm in the one. I, I, my identity is in the one who gave everything for me. Rooted and grounded in the revelation of a love that I couldn't earn. That's who I am. So listen, if you're here today and you have not been living the life of a son or daughter of the Most High, whether you're online or you're in this room, the cool thing is, is I've already established there's nothing for you to do to earn it. You just have to receive it. You just have to accept the fact that Jesus paid the price so the Father could get you back, so that you can be on the inside. And it's as simple, according to Scripture, the believing in your heart that He did what the Bible says He did, and He is who the Bible says He is. And you just simply confess with your mouth, Jesus, I need you. I need you to forgive my sin. I need you. I need you to be in the driver's seat of my life. But it also begins with acknowledging, I am. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you would open the eyes of our heart to who you say we are, or that you would reveal your identity for us. After all, it's not really my identity that matters, it is your identity that changes everything. So Lord, would you ground us, would you solidify us, would you anchor ourselves in the true identity that you have designed and created us for. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.